Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. I am Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. It is a little after 10.15 on a Monday. And, uh, gentlemen, we are back. Um, had a personal matter to attend to last week, um, hence why there was no episode. It was a bit of, a bit of an eventful week for me. Um, you know, Wednesday I got, my, I got my second vaccination shot and then proceeded to be clubbed over the head by the side effects of said shot. Uh, down and out with a fever to close out last week. But um, back and uh, rearing and ready to go, guys. And we have uh, we got a lot of catching up to do because it is um, we are smack dab at the juncture in, um, in the high school sports schedule where there's just a lot going on right now. We've at least closed the book on a couple sports since we last spoke. Uh, soccer's wrapped up. Wrestling's wrapped up. But we still have softball playoffs beginning this week. Baseball's regular season is down to its final week. And then you've got track. You've got golf. You've got tennis. There's all sorts of fun stuff going on. So I'm um, just going to play a little bit of catch-up. And um, starting... Over in, I'm um, going to talk a little bit of stick and ball. I've not had a chance to really devote a whole lot of time to baseball and softball yet on the podcast. Um, but yes, with the softball playoffs upon us, wanted to um, start off there, just quick hit some of the big things going on in our coverage area as the first round um, gets going later on this week. Um, I guess we have, what, have games that start on Wednesday. That's why the earliest we have is Wednesday. We got Thursday, Friday. It's best of three series, so it'll be softball going on all week. Um, so let's see. Let's start off with. Um, basically, just going to lay it out for you guys. You can go with whatever direction you want with it. What is one thing that you're looking forward to most in the softball playoffs relative to your coverage areas? Devin, get us started, buddy. I want to see um, – and it's been kind of a unique situation this year uh, for me because I've had soccer for so long. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't gotten to see nearly the volume of baseball and softball mm-hmm. games that you used to. They didn't – they did tournaments, but they aren't, weren't as widespread. They weren't as big as they've been in years past. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I feel like it's, 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 I blinked and all of a sudden the softball players were starting up. But uh, I've kind of had my eye on Saxy all year long um, just because of the opposite numbers they've been putting up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're 26-1. They're and one. Uh, They're the co-district champions out of 9-6A. They shared that with Wiley. Um, so 27 games. One of them was a forfeit. But in their 26 games, they've scored nine or more runs in 20 to 26. Um they got shut out just once, and that was against Wiley. Mm-hmm. But they've scored two runs or more in, in every other game, and that's against some solid competition. You know, they they played non-district. They played Allen. They played. They beat Prosper Rock Hill, who I believe won the district championship um, last week. Uh, a good Wiley. So they played some quality teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen we've seen great pitchers carry teams to, to state titles. Uh, that just that dominant arm who you can, unlike baseball, who you can trot out there every every game, every inning, um, and, and they've carried a team. I just want to see how far an offense like this can go uh, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Not to say that they don't have pitching. I mean, Kayla Oldhouse has done a nice job. She's got a two sixty eight ERA in over eighty one innings. Uh, Madison McClarity, uh, who I'll talk about here in a second, has a two seventy three ERA in far you know fewer innings. Um, 
But again, that strength is an offense. They're hitting over 400 as a team. Uh, again, not the strongest districts in the world, so there are some opportunities to kind of pad those numbers. But again, across the board, just what they've been able to do. Uh, you know, we talked about Madison McClarity. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, uh, she's a junior um, on the radar of basically every Division One college program. She's hitting 706 this season, and she, wow. she has 60 hits. <laughs> Those are Jada Coleman numbers. Yeah, of, of her 60 <laughs> hits, 24 doubles, two triples, 11 home runs. Uh, she has 71 RBIs. She scored 49 runs. Uh, if you pitch around her, put her on base, she she stole 15 bases. So it's just, and it's not just that the fact that she's sitting there in the middle of that lineup. It's that everything, everybody around her too. Uh, they've had a freshman, Devea Watkins, who's come in and, and and hit leadoff for him. She's hitting 587 with 47 runs and three home runs. Um, Kelsey Flores is hitting 493 with five home runs. Uh, Nia Brown 443, 46 runs, 36 stolen bases. Uh, Kayla Oldhouse four, uh, over 400, seven home runs. You know, I mean, they seven of their regulars are hitting better than 400, and they all have some pop. I mean, they hit for average, they hit for power, they can run the bases. It's just it's a fun team to watch, and it's just a little bit different because you see a lot in the playoffs. You see a lot of two one games. You see mm-hmm. some one nothing games. And so I'm just really curious as we get into the heart. I mean, they're going to open up with either Horn or Tyler Legacy. Uh, they're having a play-in game tonight in Eustis. Uh, they'll be heavy favorites, I think, to win to take care of business in that game, uh, just based on seeding alone. Just having seen both these, both of all four of those teams, or three of those teams, I should say, play. Um, but anyway, as we get into the, into the later rounds and they start matching up with some of those really, really top-notch pitchers, I'm just curious to see what Saxon can do in terms of a playoff run. Yeah, I'm kind of curious because you know I. Um you know, you check out the uh, the DFW fast pitch area poll. You know, usually at the start of the week when they post it, just to kind of see the uh, just kind of get a sense of the uh, of the regional landscape as far as kind of what the who the teams to beat in the area are. And the poll has been for the most part very very region one intensive. Yeah. You have the two Rockwall schools, Rockwall and Rockwall Heath, in there. I believe one's at eight, the others at ten. So yeah, I guess I've just kind of you know region two's just kind of been off the radar as far as kind of where the strength lies, at least locally. So yeah, maybe there is a chance for a team like Saxe to get hot and make a make a bit of a run um, until you get um, you know later on in the uh, in the postseason you start running into some of those teams from a bit further down south. Um, but yes, kind of a, kind of to build off of that. And yes, with the Region One, I'm uh, I'm just anxious to see how this is going to shake out because I feel like for if I'm just kind of thinking back at other sports throughout the year in Region One, there's usually been like two three teams you feel like okay, one of them is going to emerge as the regional champion, and it just feels like that field is so widespread in softball locally just because, um, like I said, at least going off the uh, the area top 10, um, the top seven teams in the area, at least according to DFW Fast Pitch, all reside in Region 1, um, including several that are local for us. Number one, Flower Mound. Number two, Allen. Number three, Prosper. Number four, Denton Geyer. This is as of last week and whatnot. Number seven, Marcus. Um, and it's um, it's kind of set up a uh, you know, at least these first three rounds of the playoffs or I guess maybe the, the first round and the third round, especially when you'll see those districts at 5-6-A and 6-6-A go head-to-head potentially. Um, it's just set up a lot of uh, a lot of scenarios where I'm just not really sure who to favor among this group. You had in District 5-6-A 
a three-way tie for the district championship. Have not I've not covered a district that's resulted in like that in um in some time. You had Allen, Geyer, and Prosper all finishing at ten and two, and I'm not really sure how you could realistically power rank them just based off. If you want to go off um you know who's basically playing the best right now, it's probably Prosper. Just they ran the table over the second half of district. Um you know but they've got a really really tough draw just because of the way the seating shook out. Um you know so they um yeah I guess they they basically just did I guess a series of quick coin flips because everything got pushed to Saturday because of the weather and whatnot, so they quickly settled the uh, the seeding just via coin flips. The seeding for the postseason, you have Allen got the top seed, so they're one. Geyer is two. Prosper is three, so that means Prosper draws the toughest of the uh, of the potential three matchups over in 6XA, and that means they get Marcus. So you get two teams ranked in the area's top seven playing in the first round, and that should be an awesome series. Um, teams that are just uh, just loaded, I mean, with um, just, um, offensive talent, whether it's Prosper with Sydney Lewis, Gabby Coffey, Aiden Allen, lots of players that have been playing for Prosper since they were underclassmen. Um, you know, you have a Marcus offense that has really come in hot, you know, with um, at least eight runs scored in their final four district ball games. Uh, Hayden Sokolowski, Emma Dare, Tori Edwards all swinging the bet very, very well during that stretch. That is certainly one of the better series in the area in the first round, Prosper versus Marcus. You've got other first round matchups with Allen taking on Plano. A uh, lot of familiarity there, obviously, given that those two schools shared a district for 20 years straight. Um, you have uh, Geyer going against Hebron. Boyd against Flower Mound. McKinney Boyd was the four seed out of 5-6-A. Flower Mound was the one seed. Flower Mound ran the table in 6-6-A and I mean, just had, I mean, their pitching and defense is about as strong as anyone in the area right now. I think, um, let's see, I've got it down here. They, uh, let's see, their defense is allowing 1.3 runs since the start of March. Um, Landry Harris has been nearly untouchable, their sophomore pitcher. She has an ERA of just above 0.5. <laughs> and that's, I mean, and that's just kind of part and parcel with, I mean, some of these, uh, you know, between these two districts. I mean, heck, you can argue that the pitching in 5-6A, their top four teams, like that might be, you find me a district that has a better uh, a better top four pitching wise than with Allen Alexis Telford a uh, guy with Rancy Willis Boyd with Kinsey Cackley and then Prosper's duo of um, of Abby Beasley and Alyssa Griffin I believe every single one of those pitchers has an ERA of 1.8 or below um, it's just goodness and even in that again even in that one four matchup with Flower Mound and Boyd I mean Flower Mound as hot as they've been you're going up against the state's preeminent strikeout artist in Kinsey Cackley who Cackley she only pitched in district this year. She was recovering from an injury. She still managed to get over 200 strikeouts in 12 district games. She's averaging just a shade under 17 strikeouts per game. Just incredible stuff. So, I mean, and again, but that's the kind of thing that that gives you a puncher's chance in any matchup. You talked about the ability of a pitcher to single-handedly swing the balance of a, of a softball game. So, uh, yeah, that Boyd Flower Mound series, despite the disparity in records, that could be an interesting series. There's just, there's a lot to like about a special these first round matchups and then when you get deeper on in because it's it stands to within reason that some of these teams might see each other in the third round of the playoffs and whatnot but then when you you know for anybody that gets to the regional tournament you've got teams like the Keller schools with Timber Creek and Keller High and then uh, Weatherford is also area ranked there's um there's just it's to get out of this region it's going to be an absolute friggin minefield and I'm just I don't know I don't really feel like there's a head and shoulders favorite right now which is a bit different from what we had seen up to this point uh, so far um, let's see so that is um let's see that is where I was leaning on what has uh, has piqued my interest uh, David what about you man what is um what is something in your coverage area that is really uh, that you're really looking forward to as the softball playoffs get up and rolling you mentioned Jada Coleman yes so 
Um, I'm looking to see how the, the colony is going to fare without Jada Coleman and JC Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Um, just Jada, who's, you know, over OU, who's, you know, continuing what she does over there. Um, you know, all, all she did during her high school career is hit over 700, 702 batting average. And, I know. One and, of the most incredible careers in yeah. any, <laughs> any yeah. athlete in any sport that we've covered. And, and then uh, she, you know, Gatorade National Player of the Year for the 2019 2020 school year and she led the colony to the state title in 2017 state fi- state semifinalist in 2019 and hamlin was on with that run as well too and, you know she almost hit she hit over over 460 you know for her high school career mm-hmm. so and she had a like a 991 fielding percentage so you know just you know obviously you're gonna see you know what you know how the how the the next batch of the the team's gonna do without um but it you know this is a colony team you know even even without those like those two stars right there, they've they've really improved as the season has gone along. Um, the early on of the year was kind of a struggle. They were just and not like in the preseason one eight and three. Mm-hmm. So you know, and and the big thing is like it was a really young team, um, a team that you know didn't have like you know they only had one district game last year. They, you know, they were, you know. They only had like one game that went like seven innings. So like these players on the team right now, they're you know they they had to gain experience on the fly this season. So you know they've taken you know like you know the lumps early in the season and they translate into a great you know district run. Even though it's not the 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 best of districts, you know they've they've really turned right the ship right there. They finished nine and four in district ten five a, and the thing that really impresses me about this team is just their offense. Like they can they can score a lot of runs um, in. In twelve in twelve of the games, they've scored at least eight runs in their games. Oh goodness! Yeah. yeah. So this is a, like an, even like when they played Rock Hill, like it was a twelve to eleven game right there. Rock Hill team that won their first won the district title. So I mean, this is a team that you know can light it up against anybody. Um, obviously, they're going to be challenged, you know, by by Frisco Heritage in the first round. Um, it's a Heritage pitcher, uh, Jensen Hall, the freshman. You know, she allows like only her ERA is one point nine six. So that's going to be that's going to be the challenge right there to see what they can do against her, but you know despite that youth and despite going getting tall right there, um, like they do have some you know it's it's not just one player on the team it's like everybody on that team can hit right there, and one particular player like I'm kind of looking at is Junior Olivia Wick. Mm-hmm. She was on that team that went to the state semifinals in in 2019, and during that little run right there, that she when she was only a freshman, you know she she just she put it, it, like the pressure never faced her. She hit four oh six during the postseason, so I mean she's got that experience. Um, uh, Sydney Young, their sophomore pitcher, you know she can she can really hit as well too. I saw her in a game against uh, Sherman. She hit a grand slam, and Caitlin Moeller, you know one of their young players as well too. She hit a hit a home run in that t- game too. So there's no shortage of offense in that in the in the for the for the Lady Cougars, and the good thing about the thing for them is that they actually get two home games in this playoffs. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So Wednesday it's going to be at the Colony. Friday at Frisco Heritage, and then Saturday, if necessary, they'll be at the Colony. So potentially two home games. Potentially. <laughs> so then, um, moving over then to uh, to baseball to take a look at um, you know, obviously the postseason is still a week off, but um, you know, heading into the final week, still plenty at stake with respect to district championships, playoff berths, whatnot. So, um, yes, what is um, what is the most important thing happening in our coverage area? For another absolute statement, what is the most important thing happening in our coverage area in the final week of baseball? How about you, Devin? 
I, you know, I don't have a, an awful lot of drama in some of my districts mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of, you know, like uh, in 9 6 for instance, Wiley's kind of run away with it. There's some nice drama in the middle of that pack as they kind of settle the rest of the field. Uh, but one race that's uh, been intriguing all year long is the um, – the Frisco District, 9-5A, which seems to be across the board in every sport. <laughs> um, just the depth and the talent they have, you know, in, in every sport over there. Um, you actually got a little bit – it cleared up a little bit last late last week. Uh, but it was basically a five-team race. And, and heading into this week, you have Liberty and Wakeland uh, tied for first at 14-3. and three. Uh, And then you have a drop-off – not a big drop off, but a two game drop off to Lone Star at twelve and five, Reedy at eleven and five, Heritage at eleven and six. And it hasn't just been the fact that the standings have been tight all season long, is that these games have been tight for the most part. I mean, there is a lot of really good pitching in this district. They've there's been eighty four games played in district, and fifty of them the teams have combined for ten or less runs. And sixteen of them are five or less. So you've gotten a lot of three to twos, one nothing and and it's not hard to see why when you start looking at some of those pitchers, I mean with Robert Fortenberry and Luke Robertson over at Wakeland and Will Glatch and Chandler Benson over at Liberty and Cole Hebel at Reedy and Dominic Reed at Lone Star and Andrew Hickey at Heritage. I mean these guys are bona fide aces. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's coming. It's going to come down to Tuesday. They're actually wrapping theirs up just like softball did. So they have some wiggle room later in this week if they want to try to do um, any kind of tiebreaker situations. But uh, as far as the top spot, Wakeland uh, swept Liberty uh, in the right in the head to head. So they would get the the, the advantage if, she, if they beat Lebanon Trail, a team that certainly favored Lebanon Trail, a team at the at the bottom of the standings. But that was a one nothing game the first time they played. So you know we get coming down, uh, and then you have you know Reedy, Lone Star, and Heritage. Those. They have different tiebreaker scenarios based on how it shakes out. You know, Reedy's been an interesting case, and they've been kind of the X factor uh, in this whole thing because they were quarantined. So they fell way behind, and they've had to play six games in 12 days and um, got off to a good start, but they had to play Friday, and they lost 2 nothing. And then they turned around and had to play Wakeland on Saturday, and they lost 2 nothing. So they're still getting good pitching performances, but you wonder if, anything, you know, that just kind of the fatigue of playing so many games in a short period of time is starting to catch up with them because they have two more this week. They have to play on Tuesday, and then they had their final makeup game on Thursday against Memorial. Um, but, you know, they're right there in the thick of it, and it's going to be, it wouldn't shock me at all to have, you know, additional games come in later this, uh, this week to determine that, you know, those third and fourth spots. Uh, but again, as we just saw in soccer, when you have a district that that's that's deep and, and competitive every single night, it, it hardens you. It gets you ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So you know, you look at that district, and we just you know kind of mentioned it a, a little bit on softball. Every one of those four teams is going to be formidable in the first round. It doesn't matter what the seeding is. Uh, that you know they're going to be they're going to be a tough out for anybody. You can move from one really really crowded district race to another. Um, district six six A has quite the uh, quite the. Yeah, we got some uh, some pretty fun circumstances boiling up for this uh, this final week. So, um, heading into the final week of the regular season, of the eight teams in this district, only two have clinched a spot in the playoffs. Nobody has locked down their playoff seeds. So there's still fluctuation all over the board. And of the eight teams in the district, seven of them are still alive in playoff contention. What a freaking district! Um, as of right now, the standings heading into this final week, you have Marcus in first place at ten and two, Capel in second place at nine and three, Flower Mound in third. At seven and five, and then you have a tie for fourth between Plano West and Plano six and six, and then a tie for sixth between Hebron and Plano East at five and seven. Um, 
all four series this week are massive in terms of their implications to figuring out what the final order is going to be. You have Marcus taking on Plano East, Capel taking on Flower Mound, Hebron taking on Louisville, and Plano taking on Plano West. I mean, just you look right at the top. Obviously, Marcus still has plenty of incentive to try and uh, hold off Capel for that top seed, just like that. Look, Capel still with it just one game back. They have plenty to play for if they can sweep a, um, if they can sweep Flower Mound, and then Marcus gets tripped up by East. You could get Capel leapfrogging them getting the top spot winning a district championship flower mound though could potentially overtake capel for the second seat if they get a sweep obviously plano plano west they play each other head to head and they're both tied for fourth place um you know so that could go one of two ways or heck maybe they cannibalize each other split and then hebron or east over uh, you know, leapfrogs them there's just a lot going on for this final week um the one team of that mix though that does kind of have my attention is hebron because the one team that i did not mention in those standings is lewisville Louisville is bringing up the rear at 0 and 12 in the district, and because of the just because of the way that the the, uh, the district schedule was set up with everyone doing the home and home series, so it's it just made it kind of tough all year to really kind of discern. Okay, well, who really is good versus who maybe had a tougher schedule at the start versus not so much at the end. But um, but you're kind of seeing now at the end though with this um with Hebron, they were at one point they were three and seven in district heading into last week's games, and then they got a massive shot in the arm by just throttling Plano West by a combined score of nineteen to zero in just two games. Um, and they play again, Louisville, a Louisville team that, despite the winless district record, they've been, you know, they've at least shown down the stretch that they could at least put a little bit of a scare. They played Capel pretty close in their matchup, um, and they, uh, let's see, and they've shown at least moments of competitiveness. And obviously, they'll have plenty to play for just from a pride standpoint. Nobody wants to go zero and fourteen in the district, um, but that could potentially put Hebron in position to, you know, finish at seven and seven. And then, I mean, the pressure is on Plano, Plano West. You know, one of them to try to sweep because, especially if you're West, I mean, obviously you lose. The head-to-head with Hebron after last week, so it um yeah it just puts uh, there's just a lot riding on this week. I would say also brace for the chances of a seeding game in any of these scenarios because there have been nine head home and home series between the top seven teams in this district, nine series that have resulted in a one-one split. There are not many sweeps, which is evidence when you see how close everybody is in the standings. Been a very very hotly contested baseball district, so yeah, Marcus and Capel, you're good as far as getting into the playoffs. Still don't know what seeds you're going to be but um yeah those other five teams um for those last two spots it's uh it's going to be a fun little fight to the finish over in 6a baseball um let's see david how about you man round us out at least talking baseball what is something on your radar that is uh quite important going down this week well i'm moving to uh district 65a and this is uh lake dallas mm-hmm. um right now they're uh, currently tied with uh have the same record as northwest they're both seven and five in district play mm-hmm. but lake dallas is, has beaten them twice this year so technically they're third right now yeah. um so but in this district you know great this is the like nobody's won the district title yet and like they still got uh three playoff seeds you know to be decided between four teams right there um you know, Grapevine, you know, they've clinched a playoff spot. They're 9-3 and three in district right there. But the next three teams, you know, they they still got a lot to fight for. Birdville's 8-4. and four, You know, they're in second place right now. Then you have Lake Dallas and Northwest, who both have 7-5 and five records. And then just right behind them in fifth place is Colleyville Heritage, mm-hmm. a tradition-rich Colleyville Heritage. They're 6-6 six and six right now in district play. And, like, anything could happen this week. Um uh, Lake Dallas, you know, they, they've got a pretty b- favorable matchup right there. I really like their chances heading into this week. They play Richland, which is in last place at 3-9. and nine. So if Lake Dallas can come up with a sweep, they're in the playoffs. 
Um, so um, that's 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 going to be huge right there. Um, it's a Lake Dallas team. You know they, they you know they they had a, a tough they had to split with Denton Ryan last week. You know um, the first one didn't go as well as they wanted to, but they rebounded on Saturday, which is a makeup game of their because there was a rainout on Saturday on, on Friday. So um, you know it, it'll be good you know to see what they can do this week against Richland and and you know possibly go in the playoffs. I mean. So, I mean, it'll be good for Chris Haney, who's only in his second year as, as head coach right there. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he took over a pretty important spot for Ryan Howard, who's now at Capel right there. And Capel, Howard led him on that, you know, long playoff mm-hmm. run a couple years ago. So, I mean, obviously, you know, like Lake Dow- it's going to be a different Lake Dallas team. But, I mean, it's, it's one that, you know, we could see what it can do because based on that experience that they have going far in the postseason, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Uh, let's see then. Let's, uh, let's kick around some uh, some notes on some of the do we call these solo sports or how do you what do you what's the proper framework for the 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 non i guess the 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 wrestlings and the and the tracks the more individual sports and whatnot but um like i said obviously beyond baseball softball beyond those uh, those standings based sports that we have going on it is postseason time for um for a lot of other sports um especially wrestling which had its season delayed all the way into the spring you've got track which is uh you know down to its uh, state meet coming up in um let's see in a little under two weeks uh Golf just wrapped up, so um, and golf didn't just wrap up; they wrapped up the regionals, I should say. Um, so let's see. Um, so let's just um, just some notes from our coverage area as far as something of note that has gone on um, locally with one of these uh, one of these non uh, standings based sports. Um, Devin, what is something that uh, has caught your eye in that respect? Uh, well, um, track. Uh, Kendrick Smallwood over at Poteet. You put on quite a show on Saturday. Yeah, you got to see it <laughs> firsthand. Um, but this was, was this guy I saw as a freshman a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and um, you know he advanced to state as a freshman in the in the one ten hurdles. Um, and you see underclassmen make an immediate am- impact um, in track and field, but a lot of times it's you know in the distance events, it's in the relays. You don't really see that as much in the hurdles because that combination of size and speed and you know, I mean you got to have a, the strength to get over those hurdles, um, and you don't see a lot of underclassmen that have, have developed physically enough, well enough to compete at the highest mm-hmm. level. Um, but you know he took fifth back two years ago, uh, ran a fourteen twenty seven. Uh, obviously, last year there was no running, so he didn't get a chance to, to build up that performance. But he's come back this year. He's been strong all year. He's been winning basically every beat he's mm-hmm. competed in, uh, and he was he was pretty dominant on 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 Saturday. I mean, you know, his I mentioned he ran a fourteen twenty seven two years ago. Well, thirteen ninety nine one. Well, he ran a thirteen fifty six. Yeah. Um, and obviously, conditions are always different. You can't compare one year to the next. Uh, and I know he got pushed for most of that race, and I guess one of the one of the other uh, runners tripped late. There was a beginning North hurdler that on yeah. the very last the very last hurdle. Yeah. So, but but it would, you know when you look at the results, he was a second faster than the runner up, mm-hmm. uh, and half a, half a second faster than the, than the six A Region One winner. Oh yeah. Uh, and it was a personal record. Uh, he broke the Region Two record that was set by obviously Robert Griffin the third several years ago. Mm-hmm. Even got a shout out from RG three on Twitter. Did he? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone someone had, had, had tagged yeah. RG three and he said, "You need yeah. to keep it going. Proud of you. You know, et cetera, et cetera." I don't have any idea if they know each other. They yeah. probably have crossed paths yeah. down the way because RG three does stay very involved with mm-hmm. you know with Texas high school sports. But you know, on top of that, that he comes back in the three hundred hurdles, runs at you know thirty six eighty one, nearly two seconds faster in the field. You know, again, more than a second faster than the 6A Region 1 winner. Uh, you know, the winning time I, two years ago was 
35. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's right there on a, a on a state championship level pace. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, he's kind of been building up to this. You know, I, just, I know talking to even back as early as, early as football season, talking about to some of the potique coaches is, you know, ha- having that, you know, we talk about soccer, you know, they got a boat to their most of their season in last year and then had it kind of ripped away. Well, a lot of these that, people that we're talking about right now in golf and tennis and track didn't have any season at all. Mm. So they've been itching to get back, and they've used that as motivation uh, to stay hungry you know, during that off time, not knowing when they're going to have a chance to compete again. And I think you're seeing the effects of who's really you know, kept that same work ethic, that kept that same you know, motivation, and uh, real interest to see what the Kendrick Smallwood does here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, there were some, uh, just going back through some of the pictures that I took, there were photos of Kendrick when he crossed the finish line and the other hurdlers still hadn't cleared their final <laughs> hurdle. I mean, that's just how, I mean, yeah, he was pound for pound as impressive an athlete as there was at that uh, that regional showcase on Saturday out in Arlington. Um, from my note, yeah, despite spending 12 hours covering track on Saturday, I actually did not have something from the regionals to talk about. I um, was actually going to veer to the wrestling mats because they wrapped up their state tournament down in Cyprus this past weekend, and it doesn't take long when we start talking wrestling before the name Alan comes up and Alan heading into this one though, just I'd say, all right. So the intrigue for me actually, it wasn't even so much heading into state, but heading into regionals the week prior, would you believe it? If I told you that Alan was not ranked number one in the state in class six, a, because they weren't. There was um, there was one point separating them, and whatever the uh, the algorithm that uh, that Wrestling Texas uses to assemble its Class Six A rankings, there was one point separating Allen from Arlington Martin in the um, in the Six A rankings. So Martin, by its the, the slimmest of margins, was number one to Allen's number two. Um, Allen ended up advancing ten wrestlers to state. Martin ended up advancing nine. So you're setting up for what should be a pretty competitive state meet between those two. And just the way that it shook out in the final standings, Allen, who if you don't know. They have um, they entered the uh, the state tournament the eleven time defending state champions, pound for pound as dominant a program as there is in Texas, um, and you actually the result was the closest finish of any of the uh, of any of the uh, the state meets during Allen's uh, their decade plus reign of dominance in um, in UIL wrestling. There were only eighteen points in the standing separating Allen and Arlington Martin, um, but the bottom line did not change. Allen extended its run to twelve years in a row. Um, they, uh, and they weren't alone. And that was probably the big, I mean, maybe even a bigger takeaway from this is that Allen not only won the state title on the boys side, the girls did it as well. The girls won their first ever state championship. So, uh, yeah, great news for the rest of, uh, of Texas yeah. as Allen's girls wrestling program has all of a sudden developed to a level now where they are winning, uh, winning state championships. Um, in total, Allen had five, uh, five individuals win state titles. Braxton Brown, he became just the fourth wrestler in, um, on the boys side in UIL history to go four for four. He's won state every year from freshman through senior year. Um, then you had um, Joe Leshesky, a freshman who won state. Um, Cade Moore won state as well. On the girls' side, Jasmine Robinson, a freshman. She won a state championship. And um, Eliana Martinez won state as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's impressive for the girls because the girls didn't win their, uh, their district meet, um, but they were able to get the wins at regionals and then state, and it just kind of shows, you know, it's just kind of the way that these, um, you know, these more individual sports work out, you know, whereas you 
can have the more balanced team, the more well-rounded team at the district level. But as you get further and further into the postseason, that's when your top-shelf talent really begins to separate from the pack. And um, that's what you saw here with Allen, as they had uh, four girls that ended up placing in the top four at state. And um, a lot of time, a lot of years, that's all you need. Um, so they were able to win their first ever state title. Allen continues its uh, its dynasty now at twelve in a row. And um, yeah, Allen wrestling one step closer to world domination. <laughs> Uh, just impressive, impressive stuff to see. Um, so let's see. Uh, David, you can uh, close up shop here. And, um, yeah, what is something in the solo sports world that has uh, piqued your interest of late? Well, I'm going to round it out. Devin covered track. You cover wrestling. I'm going to talk a little golf right here. There you here. go. What, this is the most versatile episode of the podcast yes. that we've had <laughs> sometime. There you go. Well, um, my, I'm going to stick to the Region 16A tournament. Mm-hmm. Girl, yeah, you the, were busy last week covering golf. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to, all the way down to Grand Prairie, like way, way, way south Grand Prairie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a, like it was like, might have been on the edge of some other county. I don't know where it was. In warrior territory. Yeah, pretty much right there. So, um, you know, the big thing on the girl side is like we wanted to see how Hebron and Capel were going to play out mm-hmm. right there. Both of those teams have kind of been back and forth all year. Um, you go to the district tournament and then Hebron just ran away with that tournament right there. They, they, they led by 13 strokes after the first day. Then they defeated Capel by 24 strokes. But the good news for Capel is like, despite losing by that many strokes, they still advanced the regional yeah. tournament right there. You got out, you got out. So just, yeah. So that's, that's the main thing that they wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So heading into the regional tournament, uh, Capel's head coach, Jan Borg, she wanted to kind of see her team perform a little bit better on the first day of that tournament right mm-hmm. there. You know, trailing by 13 strokes on the first day is not, a, not an ideal situation yeah, right especially there. Especially against a high-level team like Hebron. That's a really yeah, tough deficit to make Exactly. Up. But um, so, like, I, I think she said a little bit, like, uh, going into the – with that district tournament right there, there's a little, maybe a little <laughs> bit of rust from the spring break because they were on spring break that week. Mm-hmm. So maybe that might have contributed to a little bit. But all of a sudden they come around last week and, like – like even though they're trying after day one, it's only by one stroke to to Hebron. Mm-hmm. So much like, better, much better, much better yeah. position out there. So um, you know, Capel, they, they you know they they use they they ride the momentum of that, and all of a sudden uh, they get a little bit of a challenge by Carroll South Lake Carroll on the second day, and they they went by eight strokes. Mm-hmm. So Region One champions heading into state with a lot of confidence right there, and this is a team that you know like. If they can perform like that, they can do very, very well at the state tournament. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're two seniors, you know, Chelsea Ramos and Jamie Walsh, you know, who's been been leading that team all year. They had another fabulous tournament. They actually tied for third, and then they had to go to a playoff to decide that right there because that's the way the UIL does it with these with these tournaments mm-hmm. right there. Um, so Chelsea Ramos, who's, you know, going to Texas Tech, um, she – she got had 72 the first day, 76 the first day, and then Jamie Walsh, who's going to, to Oklahoma City University, she gets 73 the first day, 75 the first day. So there you go, right mm-hmm. there. And then um, you know a couple of their underclassmen, uh, Mia Gabaro and Lauren Rios, uh, they they both did place in the top top 20 as well too. Mia she shot 76, 78. Lauren's 80, 76 right there. Can't ask anything better from your four, top four scorers right there. Nope. But, you know, Capel's a regional champion. But also the good news is for Hebron, they're going to the state tournament as well, too. So can't complain about that. There you go. And that is a look at uh, some happenings in baseball, some happenings in softball, and then batting around some thoughts on track, wrestling, and golf. And that will do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Be back next week to pick up where we left off, probably uh, recap the uh, that first round of the softball playoffs and set the stage for some baseball postseason as well. Until then, folks, you take care, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? 
Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.